you've been watching. Hello and welcome to the All Rookie Podcast. Today is May 31st, 2022, and I'm your host, William Harris, aka William is Bill. Today I have a very special episode for you guys. I'm joined by the hardest working man in sports, Sports Ethos Grizzlies co-host David Williams, aka my arch nemesis slash best friend. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. You're giving me entirely too much credit, though. I don't know about the hardest working man in sports, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it, I guess. You are. You are. You do so much stuff for a hoop ball. Uh, yeah, sports ethos. I can't say hoop ball anymore. Sports man, ethos look, together you get. Four, four years we've been doing this, and it was hoop ball, and then we switch over it. It's right? tough, man. <laughs> you help the new guys, help the old guys. So, you know, you, you've helped me tremendously. Uh, with the all rookie podcast graphics everything so you you are the hardest working man don't be humble okay i'm gonna give you this little bit of time to be humble okay (laughs) all right (laughs) all right so uh tell everyone where they can find you you know you are the host of sports eat those grizzlies so they can check out your pod and check out your social media yeah, you can find the podcast uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. The show is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. And then myself and I have actually two other co-hosts. Uh, we're on Twitter. I'm at David W2111. Isaac is Isaac underscore Rivals. And then Candace is the newest member of our team. She's actually doubling up. She helps with the Grizzly stuff. And then she is the first team coverage person for sports ethos for an nfl team she has a seattle seahawks uh podcast that is just getting started and she is at candace h901 that's That's awesome awesome. you know i had you on here before and you were so gracious uh about your co-host uh you always talk uh so much about isaac and now it's good to hear that you have another host as my ring light is flashing everywhere all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going like on. you right now, man. Uh-uh. <laughs> but we're going to get straight into this uh, with the draft, everything coming up. The Grizzlies have the 22nd pick and the 29th pick. How do you feel about your prospects and whether you're going to keep the pick, trade the pick, or what, where do you think the direction the Grizzlies should go? Uh, so in the end of season post, uh, I like the postseason press conference from Zach Kleiman. He made the comment that the Grizzlies were going to put themselves in the best position to win moving forward. So with that being said, I really don't expect the Grizzlies. I'm preparing. I, I'm you know studying uh, draft prospects as if the Grizzlies are going to make those picks, fully expecting the Grizzlies to make some sort of trade. I would be shocked if the Grizzlies execute two or more picks. I really think that they either add a player, combine both picks. They're going to do something in order to make a move, whether that's to move up in the draft or to go out and get a veteran to better put themselves in a position to win it all. Because, you know, the, the Warriors are in the finals right now against the Celtics. And the Grizzlies were a missed John Morant layup away from taking them to seven games. So the Grizzlies were not far away from, from being there this season. So, you know, it, it's a young team, second youngest team in basketball. They've got a lot of great young players. They've got a ton of assets. 
they're never going to be in a better spot asset wise than where they are right now. So they're in a good spot to make a move. Um, it would just be shocking, honestly, to see them execute all three of the picks that they have in this draft. Yeah, because you guys had the 10th pick last year with Zaire Williams. And mm-hmm. as high as a pick as that was, Zaire wasn't initially a, you know, a starter, except for in the case of injury. So having the 22nd and 29th, they sound like great picks. They're going to be talented players. But for a team like Memphis, it's going to be hard for them to get run. I was talking to Brad Jarrett uh, the other day about the Hawks, and they're kind of in the same type of situation. No matter who they pick, it's going to be hard for them to get minutes on that roster. So um, who do you have in mind? Who would be your dream player that Memphis could target at pick 22 if you do keep the pick? Uh, dream player at 22. I mean, <laughs> that we can just let Chet fall all the way to 20, <laughs> but not like more realistically. I, I think, um, probably Nikola Jovic would be probably our Jovic. However, I'm, I'm always confused with the pronunciation on his name because I've heard it pronounced a number of different ways, but you know, long, athletic, great passer, he can shoot the ball, he could be a guy that I think would make the rotation year one, maybe not straight out of the gate, but I think that he has all the tools and the talent to may end up making the Grizzlies rotation. And I think he can make an impact year one. Uh, it's kind of hit or miss on whether he's going to make it to that part of the draft. Some places you see him going higher than that. Some he's fallen a little bit below that, but I would be got to be honest. I'd be a little disappointed if the Grizzlies did still have pick 22 and he's on the board and they let him go by. Really? So you're that big a fan of Nikolai Jovic? Yeah, yeah. I, I really like him a lot. And, there's, you know, Patrick Baldwin Jr. would be another guy. And I think that we're going to talk about Patrick Baldwin uh, tonight. Um, but I, I just like – so Baldwin had been a projected top ten guy, like through through high school. He gets – he goes to college, makes – maybe you want to call it a questionable decision – going to the college where his dad is the coach and had a rough season. So he's falling now because of that injury, because of the question marks. But the one thing that I always say is if a guy has, you know, if they're projected top 10 talent at any point in their class, the talent doesn't go away. And so, you know, a a guy that I, I talk about pretty frequently is BJ Boston B.J. Boston was uh, a projected top pick in his class. He goes to Kentucky, has a turd of a year. He ends up falling in the draft. Well, then the Clippers have problems, and he works his way into the rotation being a a late pick for the Clippers. That talent didn't go anywhere. He just had a bad year. And if I've learned anything at all from digging into draft prospects, it's that you can't always determine what a player is going to be at the next level based off of what their college stats are. And Zyra Williams will be a perfect example. You were on him last year, and you were telling me, you know, you guys are, are going to like him. You're, you're going to love what he brings to the table. And, I like, the night of the draft, I was upset because Moses Moody and James Boknight were both on the board, and the Grizzlies passed on those guys to get Zyra Williams. Now, after the season went, I still can't say that I'm 100% sold, but that's the case. I like Zaire. He played well. He played rotation minutes in the playoffs. But his college stats were garbage. You know, he he had a bad year at Stanford. So I, I think you draft a guy based on talent. And Patrick Baldwin Jr. is a guy that has 
lottery level talent, but he just had a bad year at the, you know, is it uh university of Milwaukee, Wisconsin or university right, yeah. of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, he, he struggled there. And I still think that the, the lottery talent is there. I don't think that that went away. I think that he had a bad year. And if he goes to the right position that he can really excel. Yeah. I like uh, Patrick Baldwin as a good fit for you guys. That, that would be pretty perfect. In my mock draft, I have you guys selecting Marjan Bochamp from the G League Ignite. How do you feel about his prospects and how he would fit with Memphis? Man, I actually started studying tape on him because I was looking at your mock draft, and I'm like, okay, let me look. You know, Will was, uh, you know, pretty high on Zaire last year, and and you got that right, by the way. Congratulations on that. But uh, I'm like, I'm going to take a look at him, and I've – I don't watch any G league games. It's hard to even really catch them. I think if you have league pass, you can get in and maybe watch some more or whatever, but I love a few things about him. I like that. He is a multi-positional guy. Like he can guard two through four fairly easily. Um, His his point of attack defense is something that I really like. There's been conversations about how the Grizzlies are going to position themselves heading into this off season and some people think Dylan Brooks may be a guy that you see traded this offseason, and he's your best point of attack defender. So if you move him, you would think that they would be looking to get somebody else that has at least that capability to be a good point of attack defender because, uh, you know, Zaire was not that year one. He has the length to be that, but he wasn't year one. And Desmond Bain is a serviceable defender, but he's not a great defender. And so if you move a guy like Dylan Brooks, you've got to find a way to replace it. And I think that Bochamp definitely, like I I saw different measurements on his wingspan. I meant to go to the combine to see if they had it, but is he, is he seven foot exactly wingspan or is he seven foot plus? I didn't get that exact number uh, written down yet, but we know he's got long arms, you know, so he's going to be good either way. Six seven with the massive wingspan is, is generally good whenever it comes to the defensive side of the basketball. Right. And I guess that's going to be a factor um, with you guys who you're going to select and kind of depends on you have two guys that are free agents and then Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones. Do you think you'll be re-signing one or both? Neither. Where do you think the Grizzlies will go in that direction? Man, it's that's really tough. If I had to bet on it, I would say only one of the two is a Grizzly next year. Uh, Tyus, he had mentioned, you know, he, he would like to go somewhere to start. And so, you know, there, there's a few teams I think that he could go to and he could start. Tyus Jones is a good point guard. He does a great job of initiating the offense. He doesn't have to score the ball. He worked really hard on his off-ball movement and shooting, like catch and shoot. His three-point shooting was better this season than it has been in his entire career. And so that makes him a lot more valuable. Because of health issues with John Moran, I think that Tyus Jones is far more valuable than Kyle Anderson. And that's not to say that Kyle's not valuable, but just because the way this offense operates with John Morant, you can plug Tyus Jones in and it doesn't change anything other than the fact Tyus is not a guy that's going to go out there and get you 50 and John Morant can, but the rest of these guys can still do the same thing that they're doing offensively with Tyus Jones at the point guard. So I really hope that the one out of two that they sign is Tyus Jones, but also 
completely understand from his point of view, if he wants to go somewhere, you know, if there's a team that's willing to give him the money to make him the starting guard. Right. Yeah. You got to take the money if you, if you can get it, you know, while you can get it. Um, so yeah, Kyle Anderson, you know, pretty much small four, Tyus Jones point guard. I think we named the two probably best candidates for your team, Marja Bochamp, Patrick Baldwin. Um, so if you're looking at any other candidates, who would be your top choice? Let me give you some names here. We'll probably go over all of them, but let's start with Christian Coloco. You got Jalen Williams, uh, Hugo Besson, uh, Kennedy Chandler, and Marcus Sasser. Who stands out as a top guy for you guys? Uh, if Tyus Jones leaves, the answer to that question is Kennedy Chandler, and I think it's Chandler by a long shot. Just because high basketball IQ, low turnover rate, the Grizzlies are going to be a playoff team. In the playoffs, John Moran's probably going to play around 40 minutes, so you don't need a ton of a ton of minutes out of your backup point guard, but you need somebody that's going to initiate your offense and not make mistakes, and Kennedy Chandler is that. He's that guy. He has more tools than that, and he can develop and become a lot more than that, but I think right now out of the gate that out of the guys that we listed, he would initiate and run the offense the best. If you're talking about scoring, I think that you go with uh, Hugo Basson, that he can shoot the heck out of the wall, man. I, I didn't realize you, you percentages are, are kind of – they're good to look at, but they can sometimes lie to you. If you watch film on, on Hugo, you can see crazy range from him. You would like to maybe see a little bit more range, but his shot, he gets it off so quick. He's able to create space. I, I just – he he is more of kind of a combo guard, like a scoring guard than a point guard. Um, so that, that's why I would kind of lean Kennedy Chandler there. But, uh, you know, if, if scoring is what you're looking for, I think that uh, the Hugo is the answer. Yeah, I have Hugo mocked to you guys with your second first round pick. Um, but I that point you made about Kennedy Chandler, Kennedy Chandler is perfect uh, because I've been struggling with where he should go because I've been looking at him as a starter and I don't really see him as a starter in the league, but I do think he could play that Tyus Jones role pretty perfectly for Memphis. So that would be an excellent fit. Um, How do you feel about your center situation? You have Steven Adams, you have Xavier Tillman, Jared, uh, Jared Jackson. What's his name? Oh my God. Jalen, what's what's, Jared Jackson? Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so many Jaren, Jalen, Jaden. Golly, with this bunch of J names. Looking at Um, how do you feel about Christian Coloco if he's available in that 22nd pick or 29th pick? He's not first round talent to me, man, at at all. He, I would say, like JaVel McGee, right? JaVel McGee is a longtime pro because JaVel McGee does things well. He doesn't do anything elite, and I think that's where Coloco is. I don't think that he is elite at anything. Um, you know, like I just – he he's not a switchable defender. He I think that if you get him in a pick-and-roll situation, he's going to be straight drop. There's no way that you switch with him. If you try to switch with him, it's going to be barbecue chicken. If he gets switched out onto a guard, it's going to be it's, it's going to be over. NBA-level talent is going to eat him up. If you go back and you watch the Pac-12 championship game against UCLA, he got exposed. That that may have been his worst game of the season, and it's tough to just judge a guy on one game. 
but all the film that I've watched on him, he, I, I was talking to Isaac about him the other day and his foot speed is not like, it's not sloth slow. Like, so the Grizzlies had JV, JV's a straight drop defender. He done a great job at being a drop defender, but if he ever had got switched, it, it was done. Like the guard was getting an 18 foot jumper and JV was standing underneath the basket because he was dropping so far and in drop coverage, that's what you want. You would rather them take mid range than attack the rim. But there were also times whenever you were playing a guy that can knock down those mid range shots and it felt like they were going to score a hundred. So I think that, you know, Coloco is faster than JV. Um, but I don't know that he's any faster foot speed wise than Steven Adams. So he would have to fall. I, I can't tell you that there's a spot where he would fall that the Grizzlies have a pick that I would be okay with them taking him. Wow. Wow. That is flaming hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like Christian you, Coloco. At least do you a think he's bit. first round talent? Do I do. I think he yeah. would be a good fit for the Mavs. I think, you know, this center class is not the strongest uh, in recent drafts. Um, so I think you're kind of selecting the best of what you have. So for that reason, he may be pushed up a little higher than he is. But I think I think his defense can come along, especially learning from Steven Adams. I think he'll be a good, you know, teacher slash player. Yeah. Um, and he will have time to develop in Memphis because you guys are loaded. But yeah. Uh, well, is there any other center prospect you would look at? Or do you think you don't even need to go that route? There's a guy like Walker Kessler around, which yeah. I don't like him. Yeah, so. I'm not a fan of Kessler. <laughs> right, either. right. So I mean, honestly, it's there's so many things that can happen in the offseason, and, and I don't want to, like, I'm not going to use that as an excuse, but it really depends on what the Grizzlies decide to do. I think the long-term plan is to play Jaron at the five, but the issue that you run into, you saw it in the Minnesota Timberwolves series from the Grizzlies. When Steven Adams was not on the floor, John Morant was not as effective because he didn't have somebody to set the screens for him. Love Jaron Jackson. Love what he can do defensively. He's a great switchable big. He's a modern-day big that can shoot it from outside, take his guys off of the dribble. But when Steven Adams isn't in the game, you don't have somebody that can truly set a screen and create that separation for John Morant. Brandon Clark is a guy that I like a lot that's on this Grizzly squad, but he's the same way. He's not a real good screen setter. And so that, you know, not that you're going to completely slow down John Morant, because if you look at his stats from the Timberwolves series, you're going to see that he played well. But if you watch that series, you could see that when Adams was not on the floor, which he wasn't a lot in that series because Carl Anthony Towns was eating him up, you will see that they really need somebody that can set screens. So I don't know that Jaron is the long-term answer at the five, and I don't know how long Steven Adams will stay around. If Adams wants to sign a team-friendly deal, because he he's a free agent after this season, if he wants to sign a team a team-friendly deal and stick around with his team, I'm completely fine with it because I like his fit. I like he understands what the Grizzlies are trying to do. He's a great outlet passer. He's a great screener. He gets down in there. He gets offensive rebounds. He does all the things that you need a big man to do. Um, so, I, very long-winded way of saying. I'm not opposed to them drafting another big man, um, but I think a lot of it depends on what moves that they make heading into this draft. Right, right. Nice cop-out answer. I'm used to that with you, so, you know. Oh, <laughs> no, it is still early. You know, the draft is almost 
a month away, a little bit less than a month away. So we still have time. You know, the last person I think we probably should talk about is Jalen Williams, the big man from Arkansas, the 20 year old sophomore. How do you feel about Jalen Williams? I'm really high on him, higher than the consensus. I have him mocked going ninth to the Spurs. So I think if he falls to you guys, that would be a big man that could. I, I will. I'll tell you this. I would take him over Coloco eight days. Oh, a week, for sure, for sure. Eight, 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 like I, I like his ability to shoot the ball. I like his foot speed. He's a he is a guy that can guard multiple positions. Faster guys are going to give him trouble, but if he gets out on a guard, his ability to recover, I think, is better than Coloco's, and, and that's going to allow him to make up the space. Um, he's a little right-hand dominant. I think that he could probably do more with his left hand and he needs a little bit more muscle. His, so his shooting stroke is a little bit weird too. Have you watched the, the video of his shooting stroke? I'm yeah, sure since you're yeah. so high on, so like his offhand does weird stuff when he's shooting. <laughs> I think that that is something that when he gets to the next level, they'll work on that and fix it. But you know, he reminds me a lot of a Naz Reed from Minnesota. Like he, he's a guy that maybe is not starter talent right off the bat, but he can go in there and like spot start and he can be effective again, you know, in certain spots. So I, I, I do like him and out of, you know, like, like I say, Coloco is a guy that I just, I would prefer that the Grizzlies stay away from honestly. Uh, but, but I would com- be completely fine if Williams was a guy that they went after. Right, right. Okay. Well, we, we covered most of the guys that probably be in your range. Um, but I would like to say, who would you prefer over Kennedy Chandler or Andrew Nimhart? I know you like kind of like Nimhart. But. Yeah, it's a Chandler probably like, right. and just, just slightly. Um, I think long-term Chandler is, a, is, is better I think right, even maybe even short term, honestly, like you may see because uh, Nimhart is a four-year player, you may see him be a little more effective early on than what you see from Chandler. But I just Chandler is a winner, man. You know, like he he won, he he played well in high school. He was a winner in high school. He just has, I like his personality, and I I think that he would fit in with the chemistry of this team. This Grizzlies team has great chemistry. That's something that you, you know, in, in the the Memphis media, you hear them talk about it a ton. And I think that Chim, uh, Chandler's a guy, that, not that Nimhard wouldn't fit in, but uh, between those two, I, I like the upside of Chandler more. I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, you know, John Morant had, he won the most improved player this year. You know, a lot, that was a lot of controversy. He gave it to. He, sh- he shouldn't have, man. <laughs> right. Man, should, like, to me, so there should be, there should be like stipulations on that, right? If a guy wins rookie of the year, he should, unless he gets injured and he misses like a couple years, he should not qualify for the most improved player. I, I don't think that that's the case. And I think had he not missed 20 games, he would have been in the MVP conversation. Right. What wouldn't have won it, but he would have been probably in the top five to seven in the MVP conversation. And so to me, it should have went, honestly, the guy that should have won most improved this year Jordan Poole from Golden State, and I hate to say that because the Golden Fate, the Golden State fans were toxic in the series against the Grizzlies. The Golden State media was toxic. Steve Kerr done a lot to contribute to that with his code speech, um, but yeah, I don't like. I, I'm I'm not a fan of Golden State, but I can give credit where it's due. And Jordan Poole 
played extremely well for that team this year. Yeah, Jordan Poole, but Desmond Bain also. John Morant gave him he the did. award because yeah, yeah. his teammate. Yeah, so. Taking care of his teammate. Bain right. definitely had a big leap as well. That, that's right, right. I don't want to take anything away from my guys, but, you know, if I say John Morant shouldn't have won it and Desmond Bain should have, then I'm going to get the homer moniker. Right, and, right. And I can get, you know, Poole had a heck of a season, man. He, he really did. And, you know, there at the end, whenever uh, Curry was out, he was doing a lot of work, a lot of heavy lifting. Yes, yes, that is true. Um, but I will say, you know, Ja, like you said, he was in that MVP conversation, in my opinion, before he got injured, came back in the playoffs, had issues with the knee again. How do you feel about his future with the Grizzlies? Do you think that knee is going to hold up? Should you rest him? It seems like you probably should sign Tyus Jones to take some of the load off of Ja. What do you think? Man, Injuries are a thing that happen, right? Like if you go and you look at Steph Curry at the beginning of his career, he he struggled with the ankle injuries and then he made adjustment. And overall, he's been a fairly healthy guy. You know, one of the, well, the greatest shooter to to ever play the game. Somebody will, you know, some, some folks will debate that. And rightfully so there's guys that you can have in the conversation with him, but injuries are going to happen. I don't know. I'm not quick to throw a injury prone tag on anybody. Um, John Morant said if the the Grizzlies were able to extend that series to seven, the chances are he would have played game seven in Memphis. So, you know, it's the way that he plays, uh, you know, he's super athletic. He's high flyer, plays into contact. You always have that concern with the injury but not so much that uh, you have to overpay a a backup point guard. Well, see, here's my thing. John Morant is so athletic, so herky-jerky with his play. Some would say he plays like a young Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose had a lot of knee injuries, and that kind of derailed his career. So that's the only thing that worries me because, you know, Steph was the ankle. That's not that big a deal, really. But a knee, that's a little scary for me. But you're not too concerned? No, no, I'm not. You know, th- there's been videos uh, after the season was over of him, you know, out doing different things. And in the end of the season presser, they said the knee's going to be fine. It's a bone bruise. There's nothing that indicates that he's going to have to have surgery or anything of that nature. So, you know, you just take a little bit of time off, offload some of that pressure, and then, you know, get, get rolling from there. So I, I think that he's going to come back, you know, day one next year and, and be ready to go. The Grizzlies are. And I don't know what this roster is going to look like, but, uh, you know, Zach Kleiman and them have done a fantastic job since he took over. So I'm interested to see the moves that they're going to make in this offseason. Good, good. Yeah, well, that's good to hear because, you know, everyone loves to see John Moran. I can't wait to see how high his ceiling can go. I think he can be an MVP of this league one day. Now, before we get out of here with the draft, you know, the top four are pretty much consensus. Uh, you know, except for me, I have Ivy as my second rated player, but any of those top four guys you want to discuss before we get out of here? Uh, well, I mean, I, you know, we had the, the chat discussion across, uh, across Twitter. So we, <laughs> we can definitely, we can save that for another time. We can come on and do a whole new, ep- a whole nother episode with that one. But I like that you have Ivy at two, because to be honest with you, out of the top four prospects, he is kind of like, uh, a fourth will like people are not giving him the credit that he deserves I think that he has the safest floor out of any of these guys honestly if if I was sitting 
at the Magic are loaded at guard. If they were not loaded at guard and they were set number one, I think Jaden Ivey is the move. I, I like what he's able to do. He can play on the ball or off the ball. And, I, man, if I see one more person say he's a ball-dominant guard and that's all he's ever going to be, I'm going to smack him in the face because they're not watching film. Jaden Ivey can play without the ball in his hands. And so if you, you know, you put him next to another elite guard, he doesn't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to be ball dominant. He can be, and he can be very effective at it, but I just like him. You know, I, I'm, I didn't do a big board. That's just not something that I, I, I love the draft. I love studying these guys, but I've never taken the time to really dig into it deep enough to do a board like that. But if I were to do a big board, Jaden Ivey would probably be higher on mine than he is on most as well. So above Chet, right? Uh, not above Chet. Chet <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chet, Chet, Chet is one. Ivy is two, and then the other two are kind of interchangeable. And, and that's I. I don't dislike any of the top four guys at, at all. You know, it's a. I, I think that any time that you're making a pick at the top of the draft, you're rolling the dice. Yeah. Outside of you know. I mean, can you name more than three number one picks that were a guaranteed lot going to be studs in the NBA, and then they actually turn into studs in the NBA? And I think that, you know, if you really think about it, you you probably can. But how many times have we seen a number one, like a one through five guy, that he's got all this upside, and then it just never pans out in the league? That, that could happen to any of these guys. And I think that a lot of people – are scared of Chet because of his frame. But to me, the upside from him is so high that if you, if you're on, you know, you look at these teams that are in the top four, Sacramento's not been in the playoffs in 16 years. The magic have been bad for, well, they're, they're in a rebuild. You know, they traded Vooch and, you know, basically everybody else, they clean house. Then you look at who it's a uh, magic. Rockets. The top, magic rockets. Okay. See, yeah, so OKC has been in forever tank mode. At some point, they're going to have to do something. Our SGA is going to start asking out. Like, that. that's going to happen if they don't start winning. But you have to take a swing. Like, when you're sitting there as a team, OKC has been rebuilding. The Magic are in a rebuild. Sacramento's been in a rebuild for 20 years. And then the Rockets are rebuilding as well. You You take a guy that has an extremely high upside and hope that you hit on him. Am I going to sit on here and say that there's zero chance that Chet is a flop? I I will never say that, not once. But because of his ability to dribble the ball, distribute the ball, shoot the ball, he he's an elite defender. And I know a, a lot of conversation goes to, like, the conference that he played in. But if you want to talk about conference the guys played in, Steph Curry played for Davidson. You know, Dame Lillard played for Weaver State. Ja Morant came from Murray State. Those are all mid-major schools that didn't play against high-level competition. The level of your competition doesn't determine the level of your talent. You can only play the guys that are in front of you. And, yeah, the guard position is different than the big position. I was going to say that. You know I was going to say that. (laughs) There are going to be guys that dominate him. Like, if he tries to guard and beat in the post, he's going to get dominated. That's going to happen. But Chet is very smart. He he has played at a high level against the best competition in his age at his age since high school. And, and so I just I there's no way if I'm a GM that I'm sitting in the top of this draft, if he's on the board, I'm I'm just taking it. I'm I'm 
If you're the Orlando Magic, you're taking Chet. Yeah, hands down, I'm taking Chet. Do you think he's that much of an upgrade? Because the Magic have some really talented big men. It's and it's not, take, not getting them anywhere. Is he going to do anything to change that? Well, I think that health has been an issue there, right? Like Jonathan Isaac has not been healthy in 100 years. They, they paid him that big contract. And then what has he played, like 30 games since he, he got, got his contract? Mo Bamba is a guy that, you know, had extremely high upside coming into the league. And when he plays, he's good, but he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. So, you know, even if you – so say you draft Jabari, right, because I think a lot of people are like Jabari's number one and the rest is just – they're going to fall where they are. Jabari, go, he plugs in as a four – but then you still have, you know, you've got Isaacs, you got Wendell Carter Jr., you got Mo Bamba, and Bamba's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Franz Wagner. Uh, yeah, so, you know, but Franz can play the three. Like, he's quick enough, he can play the three. So you, your guards, you know, I'm to me, I think Cole Anthony and um, Jalen Suggs, that's your guards. Wagner at the three. And then Wendell Carter Jr. at the four and Chet at your five. I think that's it. Cause I'm not, ba- I'm, I'm not putting any weight. You know, we, we've heard Isaacs is going to be healthy and then he just hasn't been. So until he gets on the floor and he shows us that he can be, you know, I'm, I'm going with Chet. I think that when you go to a top level college, you're going to play within the system and you're not going to be able to see a player's full potential Chet Holmgren was the fourth best or probably the the fourth in line playmaker at at Gonzaga, an elite basketball program. So we didn't get to really see his playmaking skills as a big in college. But if you go back and you watch some of his high school film, he's a great passer as well. So there's a lot of things that we didn't get to see at Gonzaga this year that I think get unlocked at the next level. And, you know, the length that the Magic get, like if they're playing that, that lineup, they got Franz at the you know, Franz at the three and then Carter Jr. at the four and our Isaacs, however you want to look at it. Um, and paying him $100 million, bringing him off the bench is going to be tough to swallow. But, you know, if he's healthy, maybe he's a starter and Wendell Carter Jr. is coming off of the bench. But yeah, I'm, I think that, uh, I think it's Chet hands down. I think the Magic, they, they have a lot of work to do. So it's, yeah. it's good that they have the first pick, but they still kind of need to do an overhaul of this roster. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what goes with that. Um, so let me. Yeah, but is there any? Like, what, do, what is do you that? think? And I think in your mock, if I'm not mistaken, you had Jabari going one. Is that oh, right? Yeah. Is that you? Yeah. So do you think that Jabari is a franchise changing player? Do you think that he has that type of upside? Because I think that Chet has that type of upside. Is he going to hit that? Is he going to get there? I have no idea. But with his skill set there's not many people that have played this game that have that skill set. And, and, you know, when Porzingis is right, Porzingis is one of the most dominant guys on the floor. And Chet has, I, I would say, probably more than what Porzingis does, like more, or more than what Porzingis did when he got drafted. I 100% think Jabari is a franchise guy. Um, it's kind of weird to me that a lot of people are viewing him as a secondary player. Um, and like he can't be the guy on the team but even if he's not the guy on the team he's gonna be a great addition to any team and I think he's gonna be a multi-year all-star franchise player 
you know, and you've heard me say it before, he reminds me of Kevin Durant. So if you have even a little bit of Kevin Durant in your game, I think you're going to be in great shape. And the Magic needs shooting. You know, Chet's a great shooter as well. So I think if they get Chet, that's a good piece, but they're still going to need to get another guy in there. I think Jabari can kind of fill the role for right now. Even though the Magic aren't going anywhere right now, mm-hmm. I think the starting lineup would look a little bit nicer. Um, and I think he can play interchangeable with Primes at the three and the four also. So it's a lot of ways it can go, but the Magic are still a long way away. Yeah, yeah. I don't think – whether they go Jabari or Chet, I don't think this next season that they're going to be anything other than just a, a lottery team again. Right, right, yeah. right. 100%, 100%. So is there anything else you want to talk about before we head out of here? You know, your Memphis Grizzlies had an incredible season, so I do have to give yeah. you a round of applause for that. I appreciate that. And looking forward to it, man. There's so much to look forward to as a Grizzlies fan regardless of who leaves or who comes in or whatever, I think the Grizzlies are going to be in a great spot because the core of this team is going to be together. You're going to have Jaron, you're going to have Jai, you're going to have Desmond Bain, and then whatever pieces that they put around them, I'm confident that this, uh, this front office can construct a roster. And, and that's, man, it's a luxury that that is something I don't take for granted because the, uh, the front office prior to Zach Kleiman, was a clown show and you know you see different franchises just circling through you know you look the the Lakers are a storied franchise and they're in a terrible spot right now unless they're able to pull off some sort of trade they're going to go into next season and probably be garbage again because their roster composition is junk They, they don't have the right guys around you know you get Russell to try and be the guy that carries them through the regular season but they don't have defense around them. They don't have shooting around them. And that's something, you know, you need to be able to put together a well-constructed roster in order to win in this league. And that's a prime example of it. So the, the Grizzlies uh, and Zach Kleiman, they have been doing that. And so moving forward, a hundred percent confident in them, ready to see what the Grizzlies are able to do next year. Yeah. You definitely um, have built quite the team there and especially through the draft. You know, but we did talk about Christian Wood earlier. Is there any other player that you would be interested in making a trade for to come to your team that might could take them over the top or you just want to stand pat? Man, I, I'm not opposed to a trade. I think all of it is about what you get in return. You know, to me, there are there's one guy that's 100% off limits. John ja Morant is on the roster next year and the rest of them, are kind of depending on who's available. And well, like, so, would you want Zach Levine on your team? Um, it depends on the on the price, right? <laughs> you know, like I, I think that um, the answer to that question to say no to that question would be ignorant, right? Like you, you because Zach Levine, you you look at this Grizzlies roster and and what do you need? They need playmaking and the ability to score. What does Zach Levine excel at? Playmaking and the ability to score. So. You know, say that that I wouldn't want Zach Levine on the roster is madness. But am I willing to sacrifice the future right. to go and get Zach Levine? The answer to that question is no. That like it would heavily depend on what the price would be, like who they would have to give up. I said that they're in a great spot with the assets, the number of picks that they have. They have more going into next season and even twenty four. They have a Golden State first, so they have extra stuff to move around they could definitely go out and get a guy um 
but I, I can't say that there's really one person in particular that, that I can point out and say, I think if they go and get him, that that's going to push them over the edge. You know, I could say Giannis or Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard or something, like, you know, something crazy, but. I hear Isaac all, all the time talking about how they can get Kevin Durant and just, just randomly crosses uh, my Twitter all the time. Yeah. So like where that comes from there. So they, they do have the salary and the assets. If they want to, if Kevin Durant ask out, they could probably make a run at it, but you would almost have to include a third team in it because the only way that it works in order to get Kevin Durant salary-wise would be to include Jaron Jackson Jr. in the trade. And obviously, if you're going to get Kevin Durant, yeah, okay, we're giving up Jaron Jackson. You know, I, I hate to see him go, don't want to see him go. But to get a player of that caliber, I think that you have to say yes to that. But I think a, a third team would – allow the Grizzlies to use the picks as the assets as opposed to the salary. And then you could keep a guy like Jaron and send players and picks other places. And, you know, like a, a three-team trade with Detroit sending Jeremy Grant. So like Jeremy Grant, Dylan Brooks, and Brandon Clark go to the Nets. And then Detroit gets like six picks or whatever, you know, like that. there are ways that, you know, financially you can make that happen to where, I think it would make sense for all three teams, but you know, that it's a dream thing, right? Like right. that's, that's somebody, somebody mentioned that Kevin Durant is upset with the nets and there was a, a percentage that Kevin Durant goes somewhere and Memphis was on the list. And so it just went nuts from there. So I, I'm not, I'm not getting my hopes up for that. And to be honest with you, I'm scared to death of what that price would look like. You know, I see what, I know. what, James, what James Harden, you know, what they got for, for James Harden. And I'm just like, man, are you willing to sacrifice the the future of the franchise for one championship? And I think a lot of people would say yes to that question. And I don't know that I would. Yeah. And it's not even guaranteed a championship because we saw what, you know, KD and Kyrie did. So even if you get KD, you still need more pieces than that. So that is a good point. So uh, and, you know, David Williams, I have to say thank you once again for joining me on the show. We have something special coming up for you guys on draft day. We'll be recovering the draft together. More details on wait, that man. in the future. What was that? I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited for that, man. We we done that last year. Uh, Alan headed that up and he got a promotion at work. He's not with us anymore, but he's out there grinding. I can appreciate that. And that this is something I had a blast doing it. I was just a, a short-term piece last year, kind of came on for the Grizzlies pick and a few after that. But this year, you and I are gonna, going to be uh, running the show. So I'm looking looking forward to that, man, preparing, digging into these prospects and uh, getting ready to talk a massive amount of crap. Yeah, right, right. It's going <laughs> to be so much fun. So tell everyone about your podcast and where they can find you on social media one more time before we get out of here. Sure. Yeah. So the name of the show is Sports Ethos Grizzlies Podcast. It is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W two one one one. Will appreciate you having me on as always, man. It was a blast. For sure, for sure. And I should be on Sports Ethos Grizzlies coming up soon too. So yeah, this week we're hoping, man. Right, right. You know, I'm a busy guy, but I might find some time for you. <laughs> I, I hope so. I appreciate it. <laughs> and thank you everyone for listening to the All Rookie Podcast. If you like the show, tell a friend to tell a friend. And we're out of here. Until next time, peace.